Fox Sports is the home of Australian rugby, and this is the official Fox Rugby Podcast with your host, Nick McArdle. Yes, welcome to the Fox Rugby Podcast. It is the best week on the rugby calendar as we head into Bledisloe 1 in Sydney on Saturday night. Uh, joining me this week, Sam Worthington and Christy Doran from foxsports.com.au. And I've got to say, it is a great pleasure to have on the line all the way from England, Football Wallaby skipper James Horwell. James, uh, thank you for your time. How are we going? It's good to be here. Yeah, we are going very well, thank you. Um, so, as I said, it is uh, the best week on the rugby calendar. There's so much happening around Sydney this week in the lead-up to the Bledisloe and, and so much expectation and excitement. Um, what was it like when you were playing for the Wallabies? How important was this week in particular for you? Oh, look, I think uh, the Bledisloe, you know, that's the, that's the pinnacle of where you want to play in the, the, the rugby calendar year on year. I think obviously the World Cup's the, the big event, but that only comes around every four years. Other than that, this was the, this was the big one, this was the important one, um, and it was something that, you know, certainly meant a lot to us when we, when we played, and it was, uh, they were always big occasions, big crowds, um, you know, the All Blacks have been, I guess, the benchmark of a, of a, of a, of a team for a number of years, and you know, when you want to, when you play the best, you've got you to bring out your best, so you know, it was always a huge week, a very exciting week, and um, you know a lot of uh, a lot of intensity went into it. So yeah, I'm sure the boys uh, that are lining up this weekend are you know getting excited and getting that that buzz on. Yeah, your old mate uh, Will Guinea this week um, said that you know while the World Cup's obviously a huge trophy, he, he felt that the Bledisloe is actually more difficult to win because you've got to beat the the world's best team two out of three. W- would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, probably in recent time it'd be it'd be harder to win the the Berserk because not many teams sort of beat the uh, the All Blacks. Uh, you know, and I think the hard thing for for, for Australia is that you know you do play them back to back straight off the off the bat in um, over the first two weekends of the, of the tournament, and that's always been a I guess a challenge. You know, the first game for the last couple of years is probably what's hurt. Um, the Wallabies, I think, you know, obviously I've heard Czech speaking about that, that that's been an issue the last couple of seasons. They just didn't get off to the, the start they wanted to in, in the, you know, the Blues Cup and the Rugby Championship. And that, um, you know, it's hard to, I guess, come from behind as well to beat, um, to, to win the Blues back. And, you know, I know for a number of years there, when we were playing, I guess, four, four Blues Cup games, we had to win three out of four. So that was, um, to get it back, and that was always, um, you know, a, a big, a big ask. Yeah, James, you just touched upon it there about the, having to generally play the All Blacks first up. I, I suppose I think it was 2015, leading up to the World Cup, though the, you win the Rugby Championship, and Australia played the All Blacks in, in their thir- in the third match. So, did you think that was easier coming up against them later later in the tournament? Um, I don't know, probably that year it may have been, but I think it was more, um, you know, it, it, it is a tough, you know, it's a huge game to start, but, you know, they don't, um, you know, the, the difference between their, I guess, their good games and their bad games isn't, isn't very much, and, you know, I, you know, whatever going on, maybe they had something, and, and I had to further down the tournament that year, or, but, yeah, look, I think it's, 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 a, it's certainly a challenge for, for the Wallabies to play them first up. You know, while that, you know, it's an exciting challenge because you've got an opportunity if you do get it right 
you're in the box seat going to, to Eden Park. Uh, or actually, I don't know when the next game is, but yeah, previously it's always been at Eden Park, so it has always been, you know, that, that was always sometimes at the back of mind is if you didn't get this one right, you have to go to somewhere that not many teams have won in, you know, 30, 40 years to, to, to try and win, to, you know, keep the blood as well alive. Yeah, you are right. They are off to Eden Park uh, next week, of course, where the Wallabies haven't won since uh, the Alan Jones-Andrew Slack era of 1986. So it doesn't get any easier if you drop this first game. Um, without wanting to put you on the spot, just a, a couple of your best uh, Bledisloe memories when you think about your time against the All Blacks. What do you think about? Um, well, look, I think you remember, uh, I remember the first time it was 2008. I think we, we actually won in Sydney. Um, in 2008, yeah, it was. Um, which was a which was a great game, you know. Obviously, then that was my first match against the All Blacks, um, and you know, I think we won, you know, with a decent scoreline as well, which was something that was probably quite rare at the time, and that was a huge. Um, that was a, that was a big game for me, obviously in Sydney, and, and that one, and, then, and obviously the the first game I captain was against the All Blacks, and we won the Tridacs in 2011. So, you know, they're probably the two big ones, uh, I guess, in my mind, that, you know, we, you, win, you win both of them. So that's, uh, that's always a nice one. But, yeah, there's, a, there's also a lot that you, you'd rather forget or, you know, you just have to, at times almost have to take your hat off and be impressed with the way that they performed and the way they went about their, um, their business in the field of their games. What about your most memorable or, or favourite or, or however you want to phrase it, uh, All Blacks? Locking rival uh, Chris Jack had some great cauliflower ears um, at times, of course. And Ali Williams seemed like a bit of a, a pest as well. What, what, what are your, your thoughts around the the All Blacks locks you went against? Yeah, look, I think there's a lot of guys. You know, obviously um, the two guys you mentioned were were guys that have been and played a lot of rugby uh, in the All Blacks, and yeah, sometimes a little bit of a pest. You know, Brad, obviously Brad Thorne was a guy that you know, um, had that sort of work ethic, that that physical presence that I enjoyed that. That um, you know, he was a he was a guy that I enjoyed playing against because I think you know he enjoyed the the, the physical contest and you know was a was a really consistent performer for the for the All Blacks and I think he was sort of a backbone of their team for a while, um, not just uh, on the field but off the field. I think a lot of guys sort of used him as their uh, you know the benchmark and you know he was a great a guy that I enjoyed playing against. I'm sure you you would have savoured that that victory for the Queensland Reds back in 2011. Then when you when you beat Brad Thorne, and then what a month later or so in the in the Tri Nations too. Um, coming to this stage with Bledisloe Cup around the corner, a couple of days away, you're still playing. You, you clearly you're playing up in the UK. Do you do you miss these sorts of moments? Oh look, I think you always miss the the time that you play. You know, for your country, it's the pinnacle of our game, and it's something that. I was very lucky to do for 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 a long period of time, um, but it you know it is it is you know it gives you that sort of that buzz that sort of feeling inside that you know you want to be part of it. Um, you know this is this is the pinnacle of the, the the rugby year. This sort of this calendar part where you're going into test matches and um, to kick it off against the All Blacks. You know hopefully there's there's a big crowd out at. Um, the Olympics at ANZ this weekend because it's a great, um, you know, it's a great occasion and the crowd does mean a lot to the team. It meant a lot to us back then. I'm sure it means a lot to the boys now to get for them to get behind 
you know, get behind them and, you know, hopefully we'll have a goal to the, to the stadium. That's what we want to see. You know, you want to see when you run out, you know, at 8.05 or whatever time is a kickoff. You want to see that gold in the crowd. You want to see uh, the fans there, you know, getting right behind you because, you know, no doubt there'll be a lot of all-black supporters there as well. So we want to be able to drown them out and uh, make that, you know, a great occasion. And, you know, hopefully the boys, I'm sure they will, put in a performance that uh, can make the, the fans happy and the, the fans proud. Exactly right. Certainly hope so. And uh, and there are tickets still available. So for anyone listening, it'd be great to uh, get a late call up and, and get out there on, on Saturday night. Um, just want to ask you, and, and I know that you know, the Harker and, and its relevance and, and the role it plays for the All Blacks comes up in discussion uh, most years before Bledisloe begins. But there's a new book out this year called The Jersey, The Secrets Behind the World's Most Successful Team. And uh, in it, um, Andrew Mertens is quoted as saying that he thinks the Hark has become too commercialised. Case Muse says that it's lost its mana. He says that uh, they should do it for a certain or certain test matches, but not for all. What, what do you think about all of that? Do, do you sometimes think that uh, it's it's lost its uh, its mana, its its appeal? Yeah, look, I can't really sort of comment on the mana and like the, the, what the meaning is to, to the New Zealanders because obviously that's something that's important to them and been brought up through them. I think, you know, it certainly has been, you know, I, I guess the, the way that it's done now, it's sort of, there certainly is a lot more cameras around it, but they obviously put the, um, you know, the speaker, the, the microphones close to it so everyone can hear. I think that's probably, you know, what, if you look where it came from to where it is now, but I really enjoy the hike. I think it's a great part of our game. I think it's a great spectacle. Um, I can't sort of point whether of the meaning of it to to the to Kiwis, um, but you know I've got I think it's a great part of our game. I think it's a it's a unique part of our game that um, I think we should celebrate, not sort of um, not sort of uh, put down. And that's you know I guess I guess that's my personal opinion on it. Well, we were speaking just before we we, we came jumped jumped on the pod about the idea. With with the Harker, we know that for the All Blacks, it really inspires them and gets them ready and pumped up and the blood flowing. From an, uh, an opponent, someone who faces it, do you does it does it? Uh, do you ever feel like they they've got a little bit of an advantage for you? And 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 Nick made the comment that having spoken to to Rod McQueen previously, that 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 the team used to take off the tracksuit and, and that was a somewhat of a... Just to create that, that sort of gap between the the end of the harker and, and then kick off, just to maybe let the the uh, pulse rate slow a little bit on the All Blacks and maybe um, sort of just take the edge off what they might be able to gain from it. I mean, my point, James, was, you know, as the hosts, is Australia locked into having the harker just before kickoff, or could we perhaps say say to uh, New Zealand rugby, we love the Harker, we respect the Harker, we will face the Harker, but after you've finished, we're going to do our welcome to country, for example. What, as a player, what would you feel about an initiative like that? Yeah, look, I, 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 I wouldn't have a problem with that at all. I think, you know, certainly things that I've been involved that has been sort of mentioned about what we do post-Harker, you know, as you spoke about, you know, taking a bit more time between... Uh, the end of it, and, you know, before the game kicks off, and you know, we, you know, you've seen probably teams over the years, guys. That some teams have all even done sort of handling drills, passing drills, just on the sideline or the tracks. It, um, you know, it was certainly something that was brought in. So that John Eels era where they 
took the tracksuit off and you know took their time and was, you know certainly that wasn't done by accident. Um, and we were we were the same. We we spent time talking about what we can do, how we can how we can not combat it, but I guess just I guess bring the the control of the the bit before kickoff in, more into our favour rather than allow the I guess the, the Kiwis to be able to control that time just before kickoff because obviously with the Harker to run on their time it's when they want to whenever they finish is when the game can kick off and so we sort of looked at you know maybe we can control that sort of section of the of time before before kickoff. Interested to get your thoughts as well, James, on the, the preparation uh, for a Blitters. Though there's been a lot of talk about it over here. I don't know if you saw the scenes at Leichhardt Oval um, a, a fortnight ago, uh, just slightly less than that, um, a trial match there, which got a great crowd and, and seemed to go really well. Um, you know, back in your career, what 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 things worked and what what didn't, um, and then the build up to a game. And, and, and do you think it's a good idea to have a, a proper head out like this going into a Blitters? Yeah, I think it also depends on how teams have gone in Super Rugby. Uh, I think um, you know, I think the game looked like it was a success. It was, um, uh, you know, look, I think probably those those games, the, the main thing is no one gets injured. Um, it's probably the number one, uh, you know, from a playing point of view when you play these internal sort of trials or um, games against selections of things. We, I remember we did it one year. I think we played at Riverview. Um, probably not as big a um, sort of occasions, what was it like? Hard, but we definitely played. I forget. Was it was it was, it was it before played. the British and Irish lines? No, no, I don't think. No, it was before the rugby championship. We played a game at Liverpool. I can't remember um, what year was it. Sort of, I just remember when, when they said they were doing a, a game. I remember it was. I think it was '09, maybe. Um, we did. We did something similar. Probably not as like a full game. It was more. We're going to play, and then the referee sort of moves us around a little bit. So we've done things like that. Um, yeah, look, the idea I think is a good one, and you know, if you haven't had a lot of rugby, um, the idea behind it I think is, is positive because it, you know, you can't replicate as much training as you want to do. You can't replicate uh, playing a game, and so I think that's a, that's an important part of it. And you know, we'll, we'll see how the boys go this weekend, but you know, I think. You know, it should give them some confidence. You know, if you've got two teams that go deep into the finals, maybe then it's probably not needed because, you know, with the Waratahs going to the, to the semi-finals this year, you know, if you had another team that had gone to the semi-finals, then maybe not. You, you've probably played enough games, but, you know, depending on who they are, I think that's what the way you work it out. But I think as a as an idea, it's a, it's a really good idea, and I think hopefully it, uh, it serves them well come Saturday night. To, to, to the here and the now, uh, it's been a, a couple of years now since you last played for the Wallabies, but these current crop of locks, I think it was Adam Coleman that you might have uh, come across with, and, and clearly you know Rob Simmons so well. Um, how do you think that the Wallabies forward pack is, is coming along and progressing? Look, I think there's a lot of depth, particularly in locks. You know, when you're looking at guys, um, you know, we've got Sumo who's been playing some great rugby this year after moving to the Tars. Um, Adams, obviously, there. A guy like Rory Arnold, who's, you know, pushing on the end. And Isaac Rodder, who's come through. You know, I think he's got four very good locks there. Um, you know, and then the fact that they're leaving, you know, Lupin, uh, Sam Carter's, I think, been playing well. So when guys, I think sometimes when you look at the depth of, of squads, it's the guys that they leave out more than the guys that are picked. It can show that the, 
the quality you've got. And I think that's an important thing. So, you know, I think that particularly the lots, there's a lot of guys, a lot of young guys coming through, which is exciting. So hopefully, um, you know, there's over time we can, you know, be able to keep that uh, those guys there. Um, you know, and, and throughout the forward pack, I think there's, you know, great to have Poey back. Hopefully Hoops is, is fit um, because he's so important to the, to the side and he's just his consistency and the way he plays is, is quite remarkable. Um, so, look, I think the, the forward pack's make, coming into shape. It'll be interesting which way they go um, in the back row. Uh, but it'll be, uh, yeah, exciting to watch. I think the lock stocks at the moment are, uh, are looking very good. Yeah, so I think I think it's looking like Lucan Tui might might play number six a blind side with Pocock and, and Hooper in the back row. Um, Michael Hooper last Friday re-signed for for five years, which is which is a great thing to have uh, your captain sign long term. You, you were one of the captains over the last decade that that had wore captain's armband for for a couple of years. Do you think that, that Australian rugby, uh, and you look at New Zealand rugby, that they've had two long-serving captains with Kieran Reid and with Richie McCaw, do you think that Australian rugby really needs uh, some stability in the captaincy with, with Hooper? Oh, I think it's, they, they should keep him, and I can't see why they would. Um, obviously, you know, Hoop signing long-term is a, is a great uh, indication that that's where he wants to play, and that's... You know, fantastic for him, and good, good for Australian rugby that they've been able to secure that. And I think the you know the more that the consistency is a good thing. I think people understand where where they sit, and that's where he and for him as well. I think it's great to have that consistency of of captaincy. Um, you know, obviously at times it, it, you know for him, I hope he stays fit. I know he had a little bit of a hamstring twinge or, or what have you, but you know overall he's been he's been quite. Uh, you know, quite remarkable how durable he's been. So hopefully that stays the same. And I think that's a big thing uh, when you look at captains, you know, for other teams. You know, you look at the, like a Richie McCall example, you know, he, he was incredibly durable um, through that. So hopefully, you know, they, they can manage hoops, you know, obviously not making play every single rugby game, train for every session, because that, um, I think there's, you know, just adding the, 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 uh, the increased chance of, of, of injuries, so hopefully they can, we can manage him. So over the five-year period, I know he's still, he's still got a lot of rugby left in him, so we want to make sure we get the, the most out of him and the, and the best out of him and hopefully they're able to manage him through, um, through the season so as they come through to, to keep him fit and keep him on the field. You uh, you ask um, people who are very close observers of Australian rugby, you know, what is the biggest improvement in the Wallabies over the last couple of years? And some will say skills, some will say fitness that's that's come about by a greater cooperation between, you know, the head body and, and the Super Rugby franchises. You, and as, a, as an observer, and I know, you know, it's sometimes difficult from the other side of the world, but I also know you, you do watch a lot of Super Rugby. What's your take on the areas of, of the biggest improvement uh, in Australian rugby and, and particularly the Wallabies over the last um, couple of years? Well, look, I think the, the physical side of the game has certainly uh, picked up. I think that's the way the game has gone in general. If you look at the successful teams, uh, not just at a <clears throat> cash level, but a, uh, a provincial level, um, over in Super Rugby, but even, but even here in the Northern Hemisphere, the teams that are winning the contact area and understanding their are generally going a long way to winning winning games, uh, and I think the across the board the the physical 
contact area of the game has certainly improved. The flat down and the, the tackle contest um, has been, you know, a big improvement over the last few years. And you know, you, I think the conditioning side of things has been been good. I think it's a it's a probably an easy thing to to say that it's fixed, but you know, it, because it's you know, the more work you do, the the, the more confidence you gain from the work you do. You want to train at a level that's almost higher than the game because when you come to the game and you're prepared for what's what's coming you feel you have that confidence in yourself. And I think the confidence levels are start, starting to to grow as well. Watching from a, from outside that's just a purely sort of observational thing is that guys are getting a bit more confident about what they're trying to do, how we're trying to play and also, you know, the belief in what they're what they're doing. Because there are a lot of young guys in there that are sort of coming on into their second, third year of, of test rugby and um, you know, they're getting a bit more belief and confidence in, how, in, in their own ability. And some more good news for Australian rugby as well with uh, Matt Tamua uh, recently making his return, um, albeit he'll see out the next English Premiership season as well. But what, what can he bring, along with Tafu Pilota now, from, from their experiences in the England uh, Premiership? Will that add another couple of strings to their bow, potentially, to, to add to, to what the Wallabies guys have in, in Super Rugby? Yeah, I think certainly for, for Pop, I think, the, he's just always been a very calm player and when I played with him or against him he never sort of looked around and I think that can help a lot of the um, you know the Wallabies outside backs I think there's a you know you, you've got a little bit a lot of communication um, to that back line which is which I think something that will be um, you know viral will certainly help Bernard and Willie out in the, um, in the in the I guess the organisation around the park and Looking at the way that obviously Czech wants to play, like a, that sort of third or second playmaker, excluding the nine, in the back line somewhere. So it probably allows guys like to sort of run and do what he's very good at it, which is running, beating guys one on one and not trying to organise too much. So I think that's probably where his, the benefit will come. And obviously, you know, Pop's a great defender, very physical player. Um, you know, and, and certainly he's, uh, he's been a, a big hit over here in the UK. Uh, for Leicester, the fans love him up at Welford Road, and I'm sure they're they're, they're sad to see him go. But you know he's um, he's uh, you know he's certainly enjoyed his time here talking to him, and his you know tactical kicking, which is part of the game. Certainly up here when the weather when the weather turns through winter is a, is a big part. So you know, maybe he's learned a few things there, and certainly with calf, you know the scrummaging side of the game. I think he's such a big body there to have at hooker. He's a he's a he's a great scrummager, and I think. That's a big part of hopefully putting pressure on, on the All Blacks. It's probably a good, a good segue almost to, to move into talking a little bit about you at Harlequins. But before, can, before we do that, can we just have... Uh, what, what do you think the, the key fundamentals are for the Wallabies that they have to get right to, to beat the All Blacks this weekend? I think you need to make sure you, you're composing, you take your, I know it's a, it's a cliche, you've got to take your opportunities, you've got to make sure you, when you have pressure on the, the All Blacks, you can take it, whether, even whether it's three points or whether you, you keep the pressure on, don't relieve the valve, you know, quickly. I think that's something the All Blacks have always been very good at. They, they turn, when they're under pressure, they get themselves out of pressure very quickly. Um, you know, when the ball's in there, 22, you know, they're, they're, the speed at which they get the ball into the line out and get it out to relieve that pressure is always been something that's very impressive. So I think that's important. Uh, you know, so in saying that, you know, your basic skill level has got to be up. And 
I think the, the big thing for the Warriors, you don't want them to go in their shells, attack them, go at the All Blacks, be physical, you know, be disciplined, because, you know, you don't want to give them points or give them territory. And, um, you know, I just keep the basics of the game right. I don't think they need to do anything that is out of the ordinary. Um, I'm sure the, the coaching staff have got a few trick plays or plays up their sleeves where they can attack them. But, yeah, just do the basics well, make your tackles, and, you know, when you get an opportunity, get excited and do everything you can to make the most of that opportunity. A lot of uh, what you just touched on, I think, were a lot of the keys or the, the cornerstones to the victory in Brisbane in the third Bledisloe last year. And I'm, I know that history doesn't count for a whole lot, but uh, I'm sure they'll take some heart from uh, what they did well on that evening. Now, last time we saw you in town, James, you were wearing a moon boot. You are on holidays uh, and you're back into to training now. How's, how's the body? How's, how's the fitness? Yeah, it's all right, mate. The ankle's actually pretty good. We're... Um we sort of we team played that first preseason match on the on the weekend just gone, so we're about three weeks out from the uh, the premiership. Um, so I'm not going too bad on uh, the ankle itself. Fine, I've just picked up a little sort of uh, knock on my calf, so we're just slowly uh, easing my way back into it. So hopefully, be good for the, the start of the season. If not, maybe one or two weeks after at this stage. Uh, but everything else is going well. The teams. Coming together, um, you know, it's a, it's a little bit different. You get a, it's, you know, it's nice to have a block of pre-season over here uh, compared, I guess, when to when I was back with the Wallabies. You, you sort of didn't get a lot of time to put, uh, I guess, training under your belt before before starting Super Rugby. So, you know, we've uh, we've had probably nearly nine weeks of ten weeks of pre-season now. Um, our uh, our internationals are all back, so. Yeah, we've got another pre-season game this weekend against Glasgow up in Scotland and then one next weekend uh, against a local uh, championship side, Ealing, um, here in, at Twickenham. And then from there, we're, uh, we're into it uh, with our first game of the season against Sale uh, at home, which is always a big one. Can I just take you back to that knock on the calf? Now, speaking from experience, calf injuries, they are, they are the injury of the aged... It's not. It's not the. It's not the start of a slippery slope, is it? Oh uh, no, it's not, mate. It's uh, it's it's, uh, it's unfortunately uh, one of those things. I know. I know too well that the uh, the calf injury is, is the old man injury, mate. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm, I guess when you're uh, when you're what, 33 and I'm starting to play with guys that were born in the year 2000, you sort of get an idea of where you're sitting in the uh, in the age order of um, of rugby. But no, look, it's uh, it was just a. A little bit of a innocuous sort of thing that happened with tra- training on a couple of different surfaces, and I think uh, the, the body didn't, didn't enjoy it too much. So um, yeah, it's been, yeah. Look, it, hopefully it's, it's just a, a minor little injury, but yeah, it's uh, it's just a more of a frustrating one than, than anything too serious. Good news. Yeah, to me, it sounds like a bit of a veteran um, savvy injury because you've got a new coach, Paul Gusted, um, the former England defence coach. And I watched a couple of videos. He's he's had a pretty demanding preseason by by the looks of it. Um, you sure it wasn't just a tactical move to avoid some of that running? Yeah, sure, mate. You're not meant to tell anyone that. Um, <laughs> this is the old thing. You miss all the fitness testing and just get back fit when the games are on, so you don't have to worry about the fitness testing. Um, but yeah, look, no, it's been it's been really good. Gazzy's come in and um, really uh, brought some energy and some enthusiasm to the place. Um, you know, he's uh, he's a he's a, he's a you know he's a good guy, but he's also you know demands high standards of the players. And I think the um, the way that the 
our, I guess, posting setup is now is probably a little bit more conducive to the way, you know, to, to allow him just to focus on rugby. I guess over here, they, a lot of teams have this sort of director of rugby role that does a lot of the, the talking and the managing, but doesn't actually coach on field. Um, and so that was sort of something that was the way that Harlequins used to operate when I did here for my first three seasons. And now we've sort of got more of a head coach, uh, director of right, or performance manager or head of head of rugby sort of role, which um, I think is more of a, I guess, a super rugby, what a lot of the guys in super rugby would be used to. Uh, and I think it's a little bit, it's become a little bit more efficient for us. And uh, yeah, Paul's been, been great, uh, very intense guy, but you know, likes to enjoy rugby. And uh, he certainly learned a lot, I guess, off Eddie and, and the other coaches he's worked with. He's very successful at Saracens prior to working with England. And um, obviously, they were very successful for that first period there. And you know, he certainly seems to have learned a lot. And um, yeah, we've really enjoying working under him so far. Yeah, what's it been like and going forward? How do you think the team will go? Because clearly it was it was a disappointing, uh, particularly second half of the season last year at Harlequins. Yeah, look, you know, I think it was um, you know a very frustrating year last year for us. We've got some great talents, some great um, guys that have not only you know a couple of new guys that have come in that have uh, you know played for your backs and. Things like that, but also a couple of you know we've got a, a big chunk of the England team that have been a, been around for Harlequins for a long, long time. Um, so we, you know, last year was, was was disappointing. Our season was disappointing for us. So I think um, all sort of brought in the you know I guess this new bit of enthusiasm injected some um, I guess some life into into everything. You know, we've um, you know, it's been the first sort of ch- big change of coach for a long time um, for the for the club. The, a lot of guys, a lot of our management and coaches have been here for a long time, which is, you know, great loyalty. But, you know, I think the change is a, is a good thing. But the players have seem to respond to the change well. And, um, you know, I think Doug is a guy that's going to, you know, we need to shore up our defence and that's his specialty. So, you know, we're looking forward to that. Um, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. We're aware of that. But, you know, he's, um, you know, he's brought that intensity. And we, the boys certainly train hard. Uh, but we enjoy ourselves as well. So it's, um, you know, he's just changed a few things up around the place, which, which has been really good. And, you know, hopefully it uh, goes across into to the season because we've got an important start first sort of month. Uh, can really set us up well for the, the season to come. Sure. Are you going to be captain again? I'm not sure, mate. We've sort of already spoken about that. Uh, yeah, I'm not, not sure either way. So we've got a few weeks before that happens. So... Yeah, we haven't really sat down and had that conversation. I'm a bit more worried about trying to get back on the pitch, let alone uh, <laughs> as a captain at this stage. So, look, yeah, hopefully, but we're not sure. It's, um, yeah, it's up to Gaz and the, the, the management there. Yeah, your new coach uh, seems like an interesting bloke and making the headlines has been the fact that he's brought in a six-foot-three uh, bear into the, the team room and apparently it looks pretty lifelike and a bit terrifying. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, look, he's, um, he likes to sort of bring in, you know, I think he was famous at uh, Saracens for bringing in the Wolves when they had the Wolf Pack sort of defence, and so he brought a bunch of live Wolves into training uh, one day, so I think he's sort of going on that. We haven't seen any live bears yet, but uh, you never know. He's probably looking at bears. That is possible. Um, I think we can get some koala bears in, but he said they're not anything <laughs> enough, so... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, look, I think yeah, he, he, 
uses, uh, you know, I think coaches nowadays use different things to, I guess, get guys to visualise and, you know, understand what we're trying to do and how we're trying to play. And, and that's certainly um, a part of, of him. And I think it's, a, you know, it's, he's, a, he's quite a quirky character. And that's just definitely things outside the box with a lot of things around training and, you know, just messaging and, and things like that. It's not, never not the, you know, the same sort of thing we can day in, day out, which I think is great, you know, and particularly we've got quite a young squad uh, overall. You know, I think our average age is sort of 24 and 25, which is quite young for the Premiership. Um, so we're, um, you know, we, you know he, the way he can interact with, the, with our guys is, is great. And, you know, bringing a, a ginormous bear that sits in our meeting room uh, certainly reminds me of that. Uh, James, it is always good to catch up, and I know that you'll be uh, watching intently the Bledisloe on uh, on Sky over there on uh, on Saturday morning. So we hope you enjoy that, and we hope that uh, that the Aussies get a win for you, and uh, we wish you all the very best of luck uh, for the season ahead in England. Thanks for joining us on the Fox Rugby Podcast. No, thanks very much for having us, and uh, yeah, look forward to watching. Cheers, James. Cheers, James. Listening to the Fox Rugby Podcast. So we've heard James Hall's take on Bledisloe One, the All Blacks and the Wallabies on Saturday night. Historic night, isn't it? At ANZ Stadium with the Wallaroos and the Black Ferns in the first match. So it's a, a genuine double header, and it's the first time the Wallaroos have played a test on home soil in 10 years, which uh, is remarkable in itself, but it is so good to see them in action, and it's going to be a huge night. Yeah, that, that staggering, that 10-year thing, unfortunately a whole generation of players might have missed out, which is a real shame, but now it's back, and, and I think it will continue going forward, and of course they're off to Eden Park for the return match after this as well, so yeah, that, that'll be a great way to, to kick things off on the Saturday. It was great to have Grace Hamilton on the, on the pod a couple of months ago speaking about that, and I'm sure she'll probably be named at number eight and have a have a big stint um, quality player one of my friends as well was in the reckoning to play Emily Chancellor so fingers crossed she goes well too excellent so how do you see it that the All Blacks and uh, and the Wallabies and you know I, I mentioned about that win in Brisbane last year and this you know you can't really that's not like they get momentum out of a game months and months earlier but the things that worked for them on that night, they played uh, with intensity, they played with physicality, they played with belief, all of the, and the, you know, they're buzzwords, they sound like buzzwords, but they're so much a part of uh, what you have to do to, to beat the All Blacks, and, and they need to do it again. Yeah, I think uh, that Brisbane factor can work both ways, can't it? Because unfortunately it's removed any chance of maybe the All Blacks' complacency. They're, they're hurting from that there as well. Is, so yeah. I think, well, so they're I think underdogs, aren't they're, they? They're absolute huge underdogs. Yes, yeah, so, massive uh, underdogs. Get, get your money on those plucky underdogs. Mm. Um, but, yeah, for once I think the I guess the, the playing field is, is a lot more even. Finally they've, they've had this practice game, which I'm not sure why that hasn't happened before. There's a lot more squad depth with the likes of Tamoa and Pilata now coming back. There's a nice balance there. David Pocock, of course, we haven't talked about him too much, but that's a huge in for the Wallabies. Um, hopefully Michael Hooper's okay to take his, his place. So yeah, I think it's a lot more of an even playing field than we have had in previous years. All Blacks certainly are going to be favourites, um, but based based on the history, but I honestly think it's going to be a, a pretty close contest, a lot closer to what we saw in Dunedin um, than, than, than the first test in Sydney last year. Yeah, well, they put uh, 40 points on us in the first half uh, last year at uh, at ANZ Stadium, so hopefully that doesn't happen. That was 
that was not a fun 40 minutes to be sitting on the sideline watching that unfold in front of us. Certainly wasn't. And and speaking of, of favouritism, uh, we, we spoke to Mick Byrne this afternoon and, and uh, I asked him had he spoken to Steve, clearly Mick Byrne, the, the Wallaby Seal coach, having spent more than a decade with the All Blacks and a long time with Steve Hanson. I asked him had he spoken to Steve over the last week or two and he said he hadn't, but he looked forward to uh, catching up with him over the coming days. <laughs> but he did say that he really enjoyed he's come to enjoy Steve Hansen's sense of humor mm. over over the over the past couple of years particularly um i think i think one thing in speaking of the coaches i think that it's kind of been glossed over but this is the first time with Michael Checker that he's actually had his entire coaching staff with him for a significant period of time and it's something well, full, that, that's right full time throughout the throughout the Super Rugby season. Yeah, yeah, previously with Nathan Gray and Stephen Larkham uh, sharing basically their commitments. They're not able to look at the Wallabies throughout the regular end of the Super season. So having those two there, but even Simon, uh, I, I can never pronounce Raul Louis. Raul Louis, he, he came on board just before the Irish series. And so I know that oh, he'd been doing work leading up to it, but he only had a couple of weeks to spend before that June series. And now he's been there for a couple of more months. So I think that is a massive plus you don't see the all black sharing coaches and going yeah you can spend six mm. months of the year or more with their super rugby clubs and it's and it's had a huge difference so far they seem like they know what direction they're going to play um uh, each each week the the, the play the coaching staff has spent time at all the super rugby clubs advising them what they're thinking they're all training in similar ways in terms of their scrummaging and 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 there's much more collaboration which is a massive plus mm. oh, there's no doubt that uh that the australian game is heading in the right direction has it come far enough i guess we're going to find out on friday night the attention to detail is really interesting so i was at a function with michael checker uh today in fact and and he was talking about uh how their data and they collect data ad nauseum, but their data shows that the Sydney Bledisloe week, in terms of rest and sleep and recovery, is just about the worst week in the Wallabies year because a lot of their players have family in Sydney, friends in Sydney. There's that there's that sort of unsaid pressure to, to catch up with family and friends. Um, on some nights, they have the ability, if they choose, to, to go home and, and spend time at home. And they've collected this data and kind of put, I don't know, put the heat, the onus back on the boys to say, hey, listen, we need you to prepare. We know it's difficult. We know you want to catch up with people. We need you to prepare in the best way possible this week. And, and they've just kind of reassessed priorities throughout this week. And I, I think little things like that... You know, you put enough of those little one percenters together mm. and, and they add up. Well, I wonder if that's why this year they've been staying at the Pullman all, all week. Potentially, and, yeah. And they've been training right next door to it. So, yeah, yeah, out of the, out of the limelight in the city per se. Mm. I believe they're actually staying uh, on an island when they go over to New Zealand, Waiheke Island, doing <laughs> some time over there where there's a lot of wineries around. I'm not sure how, I'm not sure if there's many rugby fields, but, um, yeah, they're clearly mixing things up and trying, to, right? and trying to shake up the, I guess, the maybe the, the mindset of going back into the same old, same old routine, which hasn't been successful. So, See, interesting. I spent an afternoon on Waiheke Island uh, a few years ago after the Bledisloe on the Saturday night 
didn't feel ready to play <laughs> much at the end of that afternoon. So Let's get right. I'm not sure way. it's a great idea. No, no a lovely part of the world, but, mm. um, yeah, maybe not conducive to test rugby. But anyway, the proof will be in, mm. the, in the pudding there. But I think the, the, the Ireland series as well, in, in June, the fact that they had, they, OK, it didn't go their way, but that's a terrific um, preparation for, for playing the All Blacks, playing obviously the world's number two team. I think they're going to be a lot more steeled for a big match than they were last year. All right. Um, just quickly, positives, concerns, what worries you, what what has you up, what what makes you think, you know, the Wallabies might be able to win, Sammy, or you, well, I don't know, where does your heart lie in all of this? Oh, look, I'm certainly an All Blacks supporter, but uh, working in Australian rugby, um, you know, I've kind of got a foot in both camps as well, and uh, look, for the as a lot of people have said, for the greater good of the rugby, ch- rugby championship, then it clearly would be would be good to have a bit of an upset here. Um, the, the thing I'm really looking forward to is actually the the scrum battle. The scrum's become a bit sexy again with the with the Tong and Thor back, and um, I think his uh, we expect him to come off the bench. And his battle with uh, Carl Tuanukiafi has become a bit of a uh, cult hero himself. With the All Blacks, is going to be an absolute. Butte, he was one of the only um, guys to sort of get get the better of the Thor throughout Super Rugby, so that's going to be an immense uh, uh, tussle when they they probably collide in about the 50 minutes uh, mark onwards on Saturday. I would say that I think that the Wallabies forward pack is the strongest it's been in, in more than a decade. And I think that's the exciting part about this team is that they've got some genuine uh, strength and depth to bring off the off the, off the the bench. Guys like Taniela Tupo, the fact that we're having this discussion about who who could be starting, is it Tupo, is it Tatafu Palodinao or Tolu Latu, is it, is it Tom Robinson who's who's been uh, coming off the back of his best season yet? Matt Tamur as well, this is mm. This is a really exciting time for the Wallabies. The big concern, I think, is probably can they handle the first 20 minutes? The All Blacks have blown them off the park. Uh, I think they probably can and they will. Um, they've learned a lot over the last couple of years and finally there's a bit of stability in that Port Wallaby playing group, which is a big thing. I think um, Reese Hodge, if he starts at 13, like everyone seems to think he's going to, and, and Kurtley Beale at 12, I think that that little uh, area of the field is going to have a lot of traffic aimed at it uh, early on, mm-hmm. test that defensive structure out. And the other thing that I'm really interested in seeing Saturday night, because, you know, whether it's perceived or whether it's real, there seems to be some heat on Bowden Barrett with uh, Rich, Richie Mwanga and the way that he finished the season. I expect Bowden Barrett to have an absolute blinder of a game for the All Blacks. I think he'll respond. Um, well, I think he, at least he will want to respond. And uh, and that could be dangerous for the Wallabies as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think we will see um, you know, a, re- a return to the um, close to Barrett's best. Uh, you know, Getting to play behind that largely Crusaders pack is a, a massive, massive advantage. And, um, yeah, look, I've got no doubt that he'll play very, very well and, and, and Richie Mine will have to bite his time. The, 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 the New Zealand bench is an exciting prospect, though. If you've got someone like a Damian McKenzie, who we saw particularly throughout that French series in the last couple of tests, or the first two tests, he would come on and and the the pace would even go up further. So well, that's going to be interesting to see how they use how they use McKenzie and how they use Geordie Barrett, for example. You know where they fit into the twenty three, where they fit in the mix. It's it's an embarrassment of riches. Yeah, well, all the talk is it's going to be Geordie at fullback to counter Izzy in the air. He's about the same size of size of him, and um, and uh, Jack Goodhue, the Crusaders centre, to go against Reese Hodge. So that's going to be two mm. two young um, bucks going at it. That's going to be good fun. Nice. All right. Um, Predictions. Yeah. I, listen, I I genuinely believe. Having said this, I for the last couple of years have genuinely <laughs> believed that the Wallabies could win as well. But I, I just yeah, you know, I go out there with uh, with great belief and and hope 
that uh, the Wallabies can get Australian rugby off to uh, the perfect start in this Bledisloe and, and it will make for a fascinating uh, week leading up to the second Bledisloe at Eden Park and, uh, and potentially that third Bledisloe in Tokyo. But uh, it's all about the here and now and you know, really, really up for uh, what the Wallabies might be able to do on Saturday night. Yeah, look, I'm a bit of a romantic at heart, so I'm going to get seduced by Steve Hansen's underdog uh, vision, and, and I think the underdogs can pull it off by five points or so, the All Blacks. <laughs> right. Okay. okay. We, we'll be checking your visa requirements. Uh, I don't think you'll see the blowout like we have in the last couple of years. So if the Wallabies are to do it, it will be... It'll be oh, there won't be anything in it. And if the All Blacks do, I think it'll probably be one to, one to twelve. Uh, it's going to be something exciting. As my brother has told me previously, I don't think he's ever heard me not back the Wallabies. <laughs> no. So, so but uh, Will Genia made one interesting. Or well, he made a few, but an interesting observation he made on Monday. He said that the Wallabies each year they've always felt good going into a Bledisloe series. Every year they've all said that, but. But but this year, on the back of of what's happened, they feel confident. But it's all about delivering mm. on Saturday night. They know that they can talk it up as much as they want. But I think let's hope. Let's hope. Yep, it's uh, it's exactly similar to what Michael Checker was saying earlier today. He said, you know, I'm not going to say we're going to do this, or I'm not going to say we're going to do that. But he said, you'll know in the first two or three minutes on Saturday night how it's going to roll because uh, everyone will be able to see what's uh, what's about to happen. So uh, I hope he's right and, and I hope what we see we like uh, in that first couple of minutes at uh, ANZ Stadium. Gents, thanks very much. Uh, as I said before, good to catch up with James Horwell as well and we wish him the very best of luck for uh, his season ahead and uh, perhaps, maybe, next week on the Fox Rugby podcast we'll be talking about a Wallaby win. Wait and see.